0: This is the Waterboy, your daily news brief for Wednesday, July 13th, 2022. This episode is brought to you by Gold River Trading Company. Are you tired of buying sugary drinks and coffee from large, woke corporations? Throw a tea party. I like it. Gold River Trading Co. is an American company that offers premium alternatives for Americans who enjoy a delicious cup of tea. Start your day with Gold River Invigorating American Breakfast Blend. cooled down with a pitcher of crisp and refreshed iced tea. It better be Southern iced tea or unwind with uh, herbal tea. Explore a variety of high quality blends and enjoy healthy, flavorful alternative from an American company that shares your values. Go to gold river co and save 10% on all your orders using the discount cross politic. Um, make sure they know we sent you on July 8th. President Biden was supposed to sign an executive order regarding reproductive rights. Um, Kind of interesting. So that was July 8th. And the order would direct health and human services to take action. But there's one problem. Uh, He never signed an executive order. I I had to look it up. I had to have my team look it up. We couldn't find the executive order. We went to the federal registry where they track all presidential executive orders And it's not there. It's non-existent. The White House keeps referring to this as an executive order. They keep referring to it that it has happened. But when you dig into it, you actually get to a fact sheet that was located on the White House's website. So it's not an executive order. The fact sheet references that he's going to sign an executive order, but it doesn't point to link to any executive order because he hasn't signed an executive order. You remember back in when uh, OSHA was tasked to, you know, require all businesses over 100 employees to uh, be forced mandated to to be force vaxed. Uh, remember, well, there's supposedly an executive order that started that process, and that also never happened. I think the same plays happening here. Okay, so you can go to the fact sheet. President Biden signed an executive order protecting access to reproductive health care, but it never happened. But here's the fact sheet that he uh or everyone is referencing as the executive order but it's not the executive order today president biden will sign an executive order again this is from whitehouse.gov um he will sign this executive order which he didn't end up signing uh to protect access to reproductive health care services this executive order builds an action on uh, for his administration and to take uh, to take action um, defending reproductive rights. Okay, so it's going to do one, two, it's going to do four things here. First, it's going to safeguard access to reproductive health care services, including abortion and contraception. It's going to protect the privacy of patients and their access to accurate information. It's going to promote the safety and security of patients, providers, and clinics. And co- it's going to coordinate the implementation of federal efforts to protect reproductive rights and access to health care. So that's what his executive order was supposed to do. He never signed it, but it, it doesn't matter. Human health, uh, human, uh, Oh, my goodness. Um, uh, human uh, um, and uh, human, uh, excuse me, health and human services. I had it, had it mixed up there. Uh, health and human services, they it still took action. So here's what they did. And, and, again, they referenced the executive order that was never signed. And so this is on their website at hhs.gov. Since the plan was announced, HHS has taken the following actions. Remember that plan, the fact sheet that was announced, not the executive order. They launched a website called ReproductiveRights.gov to bring public awareness, which includes Know Your Rights Patients fact sheet. They convened a meeting with health insurers and sent them a letter calling the industry to commit to meeting their obligations to provide coverage for contraceptive services at no cost or required as required by the Affordable Care Act. No cost. remember, Free, free chocolate milk, free contraception. Issued, they issued guidance, HHS issued guidance to patients and providers that address the extent to which federal law and regulations protected individuals' private medical information when it comes to seeking abortion and other forms of reproductive health care, as well as when it comes to using health information apps on smartphones. It also announced nearly $3 million in new funding to bolster training and technical assistance for a nationwide network of Title X family planning providers. Lastly, they met with the Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, Oregon Governor Kate Brown, and Maine Governor Janet Mills and state attorney generals to discuss state-specific concerns. So that's what HHS did off a non-existent executive order. Okay, let's, let's talk even more crazy. Pig heart transplants in two brain-dead people offer chance to improve testing for pig viruses. Oh, there's all sorts of ethical things going on here. But this according to Wall Street Journal, two brain-dead individuals received genetically modified pig heart transplants, um, part of a growing effort by scientists who want to improve tests on pig organs for pig viruses and gather data that could help launch clinical trials of animal to human organ transplants. Scientists at NYU, Lagoon Health, where the research studies took place in, in June and July, said the pig hearts were flown from the facility hundreds of miles away and then transplanted into two recently deceased individuals or brain dead individuals. Lawrence Kelly, seventy two, a former welder from Beaver Meadow, Pennsylvania, and Alvin Capano, sixty four, a former teacher from New York City. Mister Kelly was driving alone in his car when he suffered a heart attack, and so uh, he went into you know some uh, he was brain dead as a result of the heart attack. And he had also been a recipient of a kidney transplant from from their son, and the heart, and and so he he went under the knife here. Both individuals uh, were later declared brain dead as a result of their uh, um, uh, you know heart attacks, and and maintained on ventilators. Their families agreed to donate their bodies to science to take part in research studies. And the U.S. brain death is defined as the irreversible cessation. cessation of all brain function even if the heart and lung activity can be maintained with machines the pig hearts weren't immediately rejected by the by the recipient's bodies and functioned for the duration of the 3-day study according to Nadir Mazami surgical director of heart transplant at NYU who led the pig heart procedures the data haven't been published yet or peer reviewed so apparently they these people were able to the heart the pig hearts were functioning for 3 days during the study The issue was highlighted by the recent case of David Bennett, a 57-year-old handyman from Hargerstown, Maryland, whose pig heart transplant was uh, conducted at the University of Maryland. So there's another transplant that they're referencing that happened earlier. Um, And the emergency procedure was aimed at extending the critically ill man's life while he's waiting for a real heart transplant. But Mr. Bennett died March 6, 60 days after the pig transplant. So apparently... Uh, these pig transplants, they, they aren't really working. They tend to work temporarily and then they fade away. But here we have a New York, uh, NYU doing this, you know, pig transplant, doing a study on it, doing it with brain dead people who are supposedly brain dead as we assume, or as we know. And there's all sorts of medical questions here that are arising from this kind of stuff. A lot of ethical things to sort through. And this is why you need um, Christ in, in, in our medicine, um, our Fight, Laugh, Feast magazine is a quarterly issue that packs a punch like a 21-year and eat no ice. We don't water down our scotch. Why would we water down our theology? Order a yearly subscription for yourself and then send a couple yearly subscriptions to your friends who have been drinking lukewarm evangelical Kool-Aid. Yes, every quarter we promise quality food for the soul, wine for the heart, and some Red Bull for the turning over tables. Our magazine will include Colt. Cultural commentary, a psalm of the quarter, recipes for feasting, laughter sprinkled throughout the glossy pages, and more. Sign up today at fightlaughfeast.com. Our next magazine, I believe, is actually going to the printers. Um, uh, uh, ooh, uh, um, Our next magazine is actually already at the printer, so it already should be going out, I think, actually, um, as of this week. Anyways, euro dollar, a penny away. Let's talk about the economy here. That's what I want to get into this last part of the news brief. Euro dollar, a penny away from the parity for the first time in 20 years. So the dollar and the euro are getting close to each other. For the first time in nearly two decades, the exchange rates between the euro and the U.S. dollar is about equal. The euro dropped to a 20-year low on Monday, approaching parity with the dollar on fears that an energy crisis in the European Union could drag the region into recession. The euro traded around a dollar $1.007 on Monday afternoon, in the U.S., down roughly 15% from the start of the year. The parity between the two currencies comes as Russia shut off a key pipeline, Nord Stream, carrying gas to Germany for annual maintenance. While the routine work that includes testing of mechanical elements and automation systems is scheduled to end on July 21st, German officials fear the suspension of Russia gas could last longer than anticipated because of the war in Ukraine. The strong U.S. dollar is a good news for Americans traveling to Europe. So the silver lining is Americans who travel to Europe, your, your dollar is going to match the euro basically, and it won't be as expensive vacation. That's nice. Why do they keep referencing Russia in all this? Whenever there's inflation problems, whenever there's a bad economy, we're like <laughs> Russia's fault. Even in Europe, Atlanta Fed GDP tracker still negative even after uh, blowout jobs numbers. So um, the Fed GDP is still negative uh, projections for the end of the year, even though we had some decent job turnout uh, reports this last quarter. The jobs number for June was much better than expected, um, excuse me, this last month, not last quarter, but not good enough to push the Atlanta Fed's real-time GDP tracker back into positive territory. The Department of Labor said the U.S. economy added 372,000 jobs in the month of June, far better than the 250,000 expected and projected. Wholesaler inventories grew by 1.8% in May, slightly lower than the initial estimate of 2%. The growth of employment and the inventories was not enough to overcome the disappointing news in the weeks preceding. The real time GDP tracker run by the Federal Reserve called GDP Now, the real time GDP tracker, GDP Now, fell into negative territory weeks ago and remains there even now. On Friday afternoon, it registered a 1.2% contraction in the economy in the second quarter. Now, if that turns out to be right, this would be the second consecutive quarterly contraction in the minds of many. So in the minds of many, a, a, a recession is two negative GDPs in a row. The constitutes, that constitutes what we call is a recession. Even if the official arbiters of the recession at the National Bureau of Economic Research may not declare it to be a recession because unemployment numbers remain low, the definition of recession is negative GDP two quarters in a row. Um, all right, now on to housing. Housing can provide more fuel for inflation. Actually, are you sure it's not Russia? I bet this article, this is according to Wall Street Journal. uh, They're probably going to mention Russia in here somewhere, I'm sure. Climbing housing costs are set to keep inflation elevated this year, creating another challenge for Federal Reserve officials who want to see signs that price measures are easing before slowing their interest rate increases. Overall, annual inflation rose to 8.6% in May. That was in May. Again, that is a lot higher than that while core inflation, which excludes volatile food and energy costs, hit 6%, according to the Labor's Department Consumer Price Index. Uh, Those were June figures. Rising fuel costs and supply chain disruptions from Russia's war against Ukraine added to inflation and was already high due to surging demand from the economy's reopening and aggressive government stimulus. Annual housing inflation, as measured in the CPI Consumer Pricing Index, Hit a recent low in 2021 at 1.4% and has since rebounded to 5.4% in May, well above the annual average of 3.5% between 2015-2019. Okay, because of the way the Department of Labor captures rental prices, rent inflation, this is interesting here, rent inflation could continue to rise this summer before peaking around 6.5% over the next several months said David Wilcox, a senior economist at the Bloomberg Economics and uh, Peterson Institute for International Economics. That would be a 36-year high. Fed's rate increases have led to a broad pullback in financial risk-taking, sending a borrowing cost and leading to stock market declines. Mortgage rates have recently jumped to a 14-year high, and home builders and real estate agents are reporting a significant pullback in sales. But demand for rental housing could continue to rise, keeping rents high. The rent-based uh, components in the inflation induce, in, in, in are likely to prove relatively impervious to the tightening in financial conditions we are seeing now," said Mr. Wilcox. Other inflation forecasts see less scope for an additional large run-up in housing inflation based on recent data. Omar Sharif, or Sharif, head of the advisory firm in. Inflation Insights LLC expects housing inflation to rise six percent by the end of the year. Meanwhile, he expects other services, other prices, such as you know, health insurance, to drop at the end of the year, providing enough downward pressure to monthly inflation readings to more than offset any strength from housing. Um, it's always interesting to listen to these economists and these you know think tanks talk through uh, what's going on in our economy. All right, so for Christian Almanac this week. Um, This is what happened on July 13th, on Wednesday, July 13th, or July 13th, in 1896. On this day in 1896, George Washington Carver, a recent graduate of Iowa State College of Agriculture and Mechanical Arts, now Iowa State University, accepted an invitation from Booker T. Washington to head the Agricultural Department at Tuskegee. Normal, an industrial institute for Negroes, now Tuskegee (laughs) Tuskegee University, During a tenure that lasted nearly 50 years, Carver elevated the scientific study of farming and improved the health and agricultural output of southern farmers and developed hundreds of uses for their crops. As word of the Carver's work at Tuskegee um, spread across the world, he received many invitations to work or teach or better equip higher-paying institutions, but decided to remain at Tuskegee, where he could be of great service to his fellow African Americans in the South. Carver's epitomized Booker T. Washington's philosophy of black solidarity and self-reliance. Born a slave, Carver worked hard among his own people, lived modestly, and avoided confronting racial issues preferring to directly undermine segregation, prejudice, and discrimination by means of the excellence of his work and the indispensability of his service. I read a biography on uh, on George Washington Carver uh, this past year, and it was, it was just fantastic. When he arrived in Tuskegee, Carver, and also Booker T., I actually wrote Biographies on both of them this last year. Uh, When he arrived at in Tuskegee, Carver faced a whole host of challenges. The facilities were abysmal. Funds of the agricultural department, which consisted of little more than a dilapidated barn, a cow, and a few chickens, were altogether non-existent. Nevertheless, he simply rolled up his sleeves and went to work. A A resourceful individual, he assembled a small group of students to collect materials that could be used to construct lab. Laboratory equipment, pots, pans, tubes, wire, and anything else that might be useful, and made the tools and devices necessary to conduct agricultural related experiments. Carver also had to overcome concerns among many students. Many of the students at Tuskegee associated agriculture with sharecropping and poverty. They were generally much more interested in learning the various industrial trades that would allow them to work in the factories and mills of the urban America, but Carver knew better. The soil was the surest path. "...toward self-sustaining community. Quietly and resolutely, he dignified farming by infusing the discipline with science, botany, chemistry, and soil studies. Over the course of just a few years, Carver's department began attracting the best and brightest students. Over the years, Carver patented only three of his 500 agricultural-based inventions. Reasoning, God gave them to me, how can I sell them to someone else? He lived frugally, accepting only a portion of his salary." and donated his life savings to a fund in his name that would encourage research in agricultural sciences. In 1916, Carver was appointed to the Royal Society of Arts in London, England, and in 1923, he was awarded the prestigious Spring Garn Medal for his con- uh, contributions to agricultural His ingenuity and resourcefulness can be seen today in hundreds of scientific and artistic items on display at the Carver Memorial Museum on the campus of Tuskegee University. That would be a fantastic um, uh, museum to go check out. Uh, This is The Waterboy with the Cross Baltic Daily News Brief. Uh, Please support our club, uh, join our club, uh, see you at our conference October 6th through the 8th, sign up for our magazine, and share the show. Uh, This is The Waterboy, blah, blah, blah. Go fight love, peace. Peace.